0: We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something
1: to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have Michael Harris as our special guest. Michael is the author of the number one best selling book, Falling Down, Getting Up. He's a dynamic business coach, lifelong entrepreneur, yoga teacher, and co-founder of Endless Stages, a company dedicated to help motivated authors, speakers, and experts get their voice, message, and story out to the world. Over the years, he's dived into photography, real estate, option trading, coaching, and yoga. Michael struggled and healed himself from chronic health conditions and is grateful that he's been able to take his personal challenges and help others find what inspires and motivates them. Michael, thank you so much for joining us. We always like to start by asking what you do when you want to expand your thinking.
2: Hi, Kelly. It's really great to be here, and Carrie, too. Um, I've been really looking forward to your show because I just like so much what you do and what's on your other episodes, and having listened to some of uh, the other episodes You know, the dynamics of what's what you guys are doing are really great. Thinking about the question, you know, what do I do when I want to expand my thinking? Well, the first question I ask myself is, do I really want to expand my thinking? Because sometimes the thinking gets me in trouble. (laughs) So what I try to find ways to do and how to look at that is calming my mind and listening. You know, and I calm my mind through meditation or yoga or walking, and just trying to to find that calm place in my mind to let go of some of my thinking.
0: I am chuckling, Michael, on that because that is a, we. Sometimes I've I've said to friends at times, like, you know, what I'd love to be for the day, kind of really ignorant about everything that goes around me. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to see the consequence of it. I don't want to think so the fact i think you're one of the first guests who said no i want to actually just clear my mind and not think about it um yeah what what is kind of for those of us who have a lot of thoughts what kind of is your top way to clear your head or what kind of action can you can you help our listeners with
2: well i don't know if i have one single way of doing it uh, one of the things is I discovered yoga in the late '80s, and I started realizing, you know, how powerful it was to really calm my mind. Mm. You know, my my brother was a my late brother was a well known um, meditation teacher, and so he was focused on meditation, and I was focused on yoga. But within my yoga practice. I would get that calming of the mind, the stillness of the mind and, you know, learning to let go of the monkey mm-hmm. mind, you know, the too much thinking that I was having. The other thing I love walking, you know, I live in the mountains of uh, Central Oregon and I'm out in the woods a lot. I very rarely use trails. We a friend of mine and I, we jokingly say that trails are for the tourist. Right. <laughs> and so we just go. We find a ridge. We find um a creek, you know, we find these different places, buttes. I love going up buttes. And it just like brings me back to nature and to that calming of the mind. The other thing that that I do, I will sometimes sit for longer periods of meditation, but I also like to sit, one of the practices I do is something called three by three, where I sit three times a day for three minutes, mm. you know, first one in the morning. In the midday and the midday one's pretty good because oftentimes by midday you know my mind is filled with yes. all sorts of thoughts. so letting go of that is really powerful and then what at the end of the day now the friend of mine that put this together they actually went to dr bruce lipton which is a cellular biologist and a lot of people know who he is and he looked at this process and he thought it was one of the most incredible processes out there the three by three meditation
0: wow i like because sometimes you think well i don't have time or how do i kind of squeeze it in so these kind of micro kind of habits right these these little things that you can do three minutes you're like okay i can do three minutes like i can do three minutes and i'm thinking that midday one is really important because you're right that's when everything kind of gets revved up and your monkey brain (laughs) and all the thoughts are going (laughs) so that three minutes is is a great idea and i've also heard um i was trying to do i did it the other day when i was before i had to present um that four seven eight breathing where you inhale for four seconds hold it for seven seconds and then exhale it for eight seconds i find that to be very helpful and i know there's some good science behind it as well but i don't know do you use that one too
2: I don't use that one particularly. I'm, I'm familiar yeah. with it. As a yoga teacher, you know, really what I teach is how to breathe calmly, regardless of the sensations that are, somebody's experiencing in their body or their mind during their yeah. practice. Just nice, calm, normal nice. breathing. And sometimes that's hard to do when everything's jumping it
0: around. It is. It's a really focus on it and it takes your mind off of it. So breathing is. Breathing's important for so many reasons, Mike. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Well, that's why they call it a practice.
0: You know? <laughs> yeah. practice. practice breathing. Um, okay. So now the big question that we love to ask is what is the decision that you made or maybe it was made for you that changed the trajectory of your life and what are maybe some of those charge qualities that you use to help you throughout that process?
2: i I like the way that you said um I don't know if I'm gonna use the exact word, maybe the decision was made for you,
0: huh, yeah,
2: and I think that that happens sometimes that life tends to make decisions yes. for us when they yep. need to be made, and going back to the eighties, and you know there's more than one point where I could say I made a decision that changed things, but one of the bigger ones is really that contributed to all the other ones was. And, you know, the late 80s or throughout the 80s, my life was pretty much a mess. I had gone through years of health issues. <clears throat> Way back in 71, I'd had 60% of my liver removed, gallbladder, cracked ribs, 21 blood transfusions, near-death experience. So I was pretty beat up. That was from a water skiing accident. I ended up drinking a lot. Uh, And then in 1986, they did bypass surgery on both my legs. They told me I'd lose my legs uh, from blocked arteries. All my blood panels were normal, everything else. But my life was a mess. It was a total mess. And there was a night that I went out drinking one more time. And was drinking until I passed out, ended up in the hospital for um, five days. And a friend of mine came to me and he said, are you ready? Mm. And I knew exactly what he meant. I mean, again, my life was a mess. I'm laying in the hospital. You know, I'd been sober for almost two years, but I went out and drank this one night. And it, you know, when I woke up, or I can't say I woke up, when I came <laughs> to, because that's really yeah. what happened, I came to, um, I really had no place else to go. And this anger and resentment that I had at the time towards God. Cause I thought God was messing everything up and he didn't know what to do and all of that. And I really had no place else to go. So I thought, well, okay, I'll make a decision and uh, let him take over. And once I made that decision, everything changed in my life. So that trajectory that you talked about, everything changed, you know, and it took, you know, talking about your framework, you know, the courage, that was there to do it, and I don't know if I had the courage or was courage given to me, and certainly the humility, because I I was really humbled, and you know, self humiliation, um, despair, and all of that, you know, just really set in. And as I started moving forward from having made that decision, I knew everything in my life was changing. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I knew everything. Was going to change, so as I go back through your framework, you know the accuracy, the resiliency, the goal oriented, the exemplary, and my life really started presenting what I would call um, more. How, how am I going to word this? Attributes that were more effective. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, that's I like that. Attributes that were more effective. I'm yeah, gonna stick with.
0: Yeah, I that. like that. What. What? Because you said that you weren't drinking for the two years previous. So, what mm-hmm. made? And I love I Kelly listeners know I, I definitely have a bias for people who have overcome addiction because the what you had to go through, what, what um what you have to kind of come out of and and view your life and change your life so much. But I also know that usually the first time doesn't stick. So what happened what was the difference between 2 years previous when you said I'm not going to do it anymore and then this time when your friend said are you ready what what like when what, what was the difference does that make sense michael
2: Oh absolutely you know, I I had struggled with you know drinking really most of my life starting as a kid and into my 20s and I actually haven't had a drink since 30 and I'm 63 so um so far it's working. And um, you know, the idea too with an addiction is that we didn't even swear off that the problem was mm. removed. And I didn't remove the problem because my thinking got me mm. there, right? So I had to stop that thinking mm-hmm. and connect with something bigger than myself to allow that change to come in. Like you know, and the question, you know, was the decision made for me? I believe the decision was made for mm-hmm. me. It was done, you know, and th- that last time that I went out drinking, I got in an argument with my mom and my girlfriend on the phone and um, I got in my car and I went and bought a pack of cigarettes. I I did, gave up smoking the same time I gave up drinking. Um, so, I hadn't had a cigarette for almost two years as well. And then I went to a bar thinking, well, if I pay off this old bar tab, I'll feel hmm. better. And um, I paid off the old bar tab, but I also started
1: drinking.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, again, you know, one's too many, a thousand's right, not enough, right. they say. And, you know, so, I went until I passed out. Whoa. And um, that's where I then ended up in the hospital. Yeah. And I was just ready. I mean, I knew. I mean, I couldn't go any further if I was going to live. And I always had a desire to live. I never really had suicidal yeah. thoughts. I, but I just, my life was a yeah. mess. And like I said, I wanted yeah. to live.
0: What? What? Um, when you look back, you say your life was a mess. Then what? That thinking pattern that you're talking about, and the thoughts, and so to kind of say, all right, it's it's such a mess, and now I'm going to, like you said, I'm gonna, someone else is in kind of the driver's seat for it. What did that? How did you make that shift, though? Because that is like you. I mean, I know it almost makes it sound like it just you let it go, but for many of us who um, either know people who have addiction problems, or or could be in an addiction recovery, like what? How did you? do that like what how did you take us through some of the steps that day or the next day um and how that kind of changed your mindset and then your relationships too
2: well there is this god character like i had mentioned that i was so angry and resentful for and and part of it went back to my water skiing accident as a kid and i had a near-death experience i left my body and i was in a garden area with spirit and as i was coming back to my body Mm -hmm. i didn't want to come back Mm -hmm. i wanted to stay where it was and a lot of people that have you know near-death type experiences you know they come back and they're immediately you know all happy and they've got this great mission that they're on at the time and mine was i mean i was kind of a happy kid all the time but it was like why am i back here i don't want to be back here i want to be back Uh there And so that resentment and anger really set in. And, you know, as I come to, you know, the end of that journey of drinking and and addiction to where I was ready, I mean, I remember being in the hospital bed in, you know, it was 1988 and making that decision and feeling literally a swoosh. I mean, I still call it a swoosh. It's just like this feeling in my body that something had shifted and changed. And again, I don't think I did it other than having made that decision that I needed a new life. And so with with my friend Jim there and, you know, he helped me a lot. And I I got with a group of men and, you know, that were also dealing with with drinking. And it really helped set a new foundation in, in my life. My relationship with my father had been rocky at times. So, connecting with with other men that were struggling in the same way that I was was really you know the foundation mm-hmm. for me to have a better life.
0: I I what I really appreciate about your story is that kind of just letting go if I heard it correctly just letting go of that anger and just going yeah. that's gone. Like I just have to let it go. Like it's not serving me to use I always hear this when I'm in yoga it doesn't serve you any longer. (laughs) And that, right. And I love that because it served you for a while, but it no longer serves you. And so that anger just didn't serve you at all. And you just had like, that's enough. And that's that bottom that we all have, regardless of addiction of maybe I have it because I hate my job. um, I don't like living where I'm living or whatever it is, but you kind of hit this. I got to let this go. So, Michael, when you let it go, as we like action here, Kelly and I, um, what, so you, you let it go and then you found what I love about your story too, is you found, it sounds like a, a group to help you through it because most of us can't do it alone. And so tell us about like how you found, how you opened yourself up to that, to being vulnerable and asking for help and, and taking that help and, and using it. What was kind of, again, different this time, um, when you took that help and were with the men's group?
2: Well, you know, i had been circling around, um, you know, recovery type programs for a while, you know, for a few years. And uh, my friend Jim was involved in this uh, group of men and there was a dozen of us. And he said, why don't you come and do this with us? And it was it wasn't like a twelve step program mm-hmm. as such at the time, um, but it was this group of men, and many of them were sober and involved in different programs and such. And so, as we started doing that work, you know, you know, there's the terminology. More will be revealed, mm-hmm. right? So, more was being revealed about my life, about who I was, about my relationship to men um, and women, because the relationship to men is really important to have relationship with Mm women. And so as that evolved, and I want to touch back on my anger and resentments that I had for a long time with God, because I also took a look at my anger and resentments that I had towards other Mm. people. And I really realized that, like, you know, resentment towards my father or friends or didn't matter who, institutions, didn't matter, was really my resentments that I was holding on still to God. That those were like seeds that had been planted in different places. You know, that anger and resentment I had towards people. And as I dealt with that, I realized that as I became closer to God or higher power universe, doesn't matter what you call it. As I became closer to that and more comfortable with that, those resentments that I had towards other people also began began to dissipate. Mm. So getting right with my my perception of God helped me get right with other people.
0: Mm. Well, and I just that story of you in the accident and and having the near death experience, and I've heard other people say like I was I saw something or I came back and you're right a lot of people especially in storytelling right you come back a more vigorous person of like I know what it's like and I'm gonna do an impact and so for you to say no it was really nice over there why am I back here and going back to that source because I think a lot of us can look at regardless again of if you're drinking or, or working too much or whatever can kind of go back to that moment of like mm-hmm yeah that's where it went that's mm-hmm. where it starts and that anger yeah. going out because a lot of times we're angry and we don't know why and we're taking it out in the wrong we're not focused like I'm like be focused angry right. like know exactly what you're mad about <laughs> instead of it spilling yeah. all over um yeah what what did um, what were your relationships like before then? before you kind of release the, the anger, what were people, how would people like describe Michael before that?
2: Well, you know, a lot of the anger that I had was bottled up mm. inside of me. I mean, I didn't get into a lot of yeah. fights or any of that kind of stuff. And I was pretty much had a smile on my face, but a lot of that was hiding the anger mm. within. You know, I, I was covering a lot of it up. I mean, some people would pick up on it. Uh, but I was pretty much happy-go-lucky and I still kind of am that type of person. I've always been that kind of person. My blood type is B positive and there's a joke with B positive blood types that you're positive, positive right? <laughs> Just be positive, you know, choose happiness, you know? Um, so I've always tried to do that, if that mm-hmm. makes sense.
0: What What would your, after the the kind of are you ready moment, what did people say about you after? Did they notice this difference? And did your health improve? Because if you keep, you know, health wise, you keep all that anger inside, you, that's that encourages illness. Um, what what changes did you have after?
2: Uh, is this a three or four hour
0: show? <laughs> we'll do three and a half and split it.
2: <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, at the time, I could barely walk. I was on a cane. I could walk about 10 feet because of my legs, the atherosclerosis. And I ended up at a rehabilitation facility in Southern California, Santa Monica, called the Pritikin Longevity Center um, down in 1987. And the doctor there versus the, the, the doctors at OHSU, the vascular professors, would say, when it hurts, don't walk when I got down there, the doctor said, when it hurts, walk. And he said, get out there on the boardwalk, because the facility was right on the boardwalk. So I'd walk, you know, get out there and walk 10 feet, sit down, walk 12 feet, sit down, walk 13 feet, sit down. And I kept doing that. And within two weeks, I was walking two wow. miles. So going from 10 feet to two miles in two weeks. Right. So, you know, this idea that um, and one of your other guests uh, said this to uh, the Debbie S- uh, Silber, the mm-hmm. doctor from the last yep. episode, episode 71. She was talking about that, too, the importance of health in overcoming betrayal and, and other things, too. And for my case, you know, getting my health back was vital, you know, and now it's been 30 how many years, 36 years since the surgeries that I had, they told me I'd be dead within six months and I'm still wow. here and I don't go to doctors. They come to me and I teach them yoga. Yeah, Right. So the yoga, the walking, all that thing, all of that changed my life and brought my health back. You look at me today, you would never know those things happened. Wow!
0: What I just think of the resilience that you had and just like, it hurts, but I'm going to do it and I'm going to bounce back and I'm going to yeah. do it again. And I do want to live like I don't. There was something in you that I, I was kind of that anger maybe helped you at, up to a point, right, of fighting for your own life. Maybe you didn't quite cognizant of it, but you were. And then now you're going to fight to walk and now you're going to fight for your own health.
2: Well, on, on the lighter side of it, you know, here I am on the boardwalk at Santa Monica on a sunny day. And who's on the boardwalk in the beach of Santa Monica on sunny days? Girls in yeah. bikinis, right? So I'm not going to be the 97-pound weakling with sand kicked in the <laughs> face, right? I'm going to stand up tall, you know, right? So as I'm walking along the boardwalk and they're going by on their, their roller skates, I'm standing tall, <laughs> Right.
0: I love, don't Don't underestimate the power of a girl in a bikini, Michael. That's the.
2: Oh, no, not at all. No. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah.
0: That's the quote, Kelly, from this podcast. Don't underestimate a girl in a bikini. We'll get a whole different listenership on that one, Michael.
2: Yeah. Well, can I give you another quote? Of course. Well, I've heard this three times very specifically. The first time that I heard it was the doctor said, oh, don't worry about it. Just get up and walk. The next time that I I realized it is I was in Bikram yoga teacher training in 1998. I was maybe teacher 100 in the Bikram world. And I got in an argument with Bikram because I wanted him to give me modifications because of the pain in the Mm. legs. And he said, Michael, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. That ended up being the single biggest lesson I've ever had in yoga. Don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just do the yoga. Now I'm going to tell you the third time I heard it was Dr. John Sarno, which is, um, he was head of clinical rehabilitation, NYU Medical Center. And questioning a lot of the way that pain manifests in our body and back pain and shoulder pain and, and all of this. And he says, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Just live your mm-hmm. life. Get up and move. So that same thing, you know, as I connected those dots that don't worry about it, forget about it idea. I mean, that was huge. So girls in the bikinis, don't worry about it. Yeah.
0: Well, I was just thinking about, as you said that, I was like, well, that's what we were talked about right in the beginning. How do you expand your thinking in a way? It's letting those thoughts go. Like, don't worry about it. Forget about it. Like, just how do you calm um, your brain around that. And then I think once you calm it, then the answers come, you just kind of move, just get up and move. Like just do the three yeah. minutes. Like I was thinking today, I was like, okay, when am I doing that three minute, just sitting and doing some breathing. Right. And just like, it's, yeah. it's oh, Kelly and I talk about this a lot. It's okay. Like we do, you don't have to kind of worry about plan a through Z sometimes just do it and move on and yeah. and clear head yeah. about it. And so I love that. Yeah. What other, um, yeah. at the end, kind of what advice do you have? You've already given so much good advice on, on the breathing and not worrying about it and kind of that resilience, but do you have any more specific actions that people can take when they're either maybe in a recovery or trying to be recovery or with, um, knowing someone who's struggling?
2: there's so many different avenues i can go down one of the things and it's been mentioned a little bit is moving the body moving the body is so remarkable just going out and taking a walk you know the the reason i get out in the nature and i'm i'm blessed to live where i am is you know i get out i get in the woods i get in nature i, I get connected i i forget about politics and wars and, you know, relationships and and all that stuff. And the the calming of the mind is is so beneficial. But you can get that. I mean, you walk 20 minutes, you've gone about 2000 steps in 20 minutes, the average walker. And that's going to change everything. It's going to change the chemistry in the mind and the heart and the whole body. You're going to increase your heart rate, you're going to calm your mind, your parasympathetic and sympathetic nervous systems are going to start to balance out and calm down. Um, So just moving the body. And what ages us is when we don't move our Mm -hmm. body. We need to move our bodies.
0: Nice. Thank you. I know um, we talk a lot about... that movement and getting outside and you know, all the studies and and my son went to a Waldorf school and that is all about getting outside, doing something um, and being with nature and how that calms kids down and how important that is. So I appreciate yeah. that. That's beautiful. Kelly, you're a walker. You come from a line of walkers. Your mother walks. I think it feels like a million miles a day, but I know she's, very focused on her walking it's a the gunther family walkers michael that's uh-huh. I like it. yeah
2: yeah i've seen them out there the whole line of
0: <laughs> oh i'd be i'd be very nervous if you saw all the gunthers walking together <laughs> i would love that <laughs> kelly what are your thoughts about what michael just said
1: what's an inspirational story michael um and i i love that adage of don't don't worry about it, forget about it. Because I think for those of us who get who do get wrapped up in our own mental headspace, myself included, um, maybe I could be the poster child for it, actually. Um, there is that part of you that always wonders about what is the next step? I have to worry about the next thing. Um, I think you've given people a lot of, of reasons to sort of abandon that need to, to have to know, um, because it doesn't necessarily matter at the end of the day. So I wonder for you in your recovery process both physically through the um through the addiction and just the the physical you know through the healing of your just body in general what what sort of what was important for you was it the the physical the mental the psychological emotional how did you kind of lean on all of those levers to kind of have those all working for you to to get to where you are today, because obviously you needed all of those in order to heal.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, what's coming up for, for me right now is I came to a point too, you know, I wasn't drinking anymore, you know, it, it seemed like that had been removed and I was doing all this work around that and I, I was doing my yoga, which I always considered to be separate for so long. And then I came to a realization that it's really all the same yeah. that my practice my physical practice and my mental and emotional type healing was all intertwined it wasn't separate like even like the term mind body i don't like the term mind body because it insinuates that there's a separation between those two and there really isn't you know it's like mind body i mean I, I don't know how how you would say, how, what word you would use But it's like the same, you know, like the yin-yang symbol. Oftentimes people will see see the two parts, but there's the third part in the middle, which connects them together. Right? So it's like bring it into that balance point. What is that balance point?
1: So moving. And I I think it's so powerful. You speak from this place of just total reverence about your experience and your um, the compassion that you have I think for others who might be going through a similar experience placing no judgment on what that their experience might be might feel like um, I think it just it it sheds light on on just who you are in general so I thank you so much for being able to to share your story with us in particular the the journey that you've taken um, because it obviously was fraught with um, a lot of of um challenge um and and at such a young age too that you you had this near death experience and it's really taken you um the course of your entire adult life to to kind of to learn and, and to grow into who you are but this person that you've turned into is just a tremendous human being um and that you're sharing all of your wisdom with us is just incredible we're it, we're tremendously grateful for you for sharing your story with us.
2: Well, it's wonderful to be able to do that. And I'll just briefly mention the idea of story. I believe story is vital in the world and like what, you know, you and Carrie are, are doing and having your show and all the different types of people, whether it's talking about what we're talking about or suicide awareness with Jackie. And I know you had uh, Ben Albert on as well, and he's a remarkable journey as well but by telling these stories we can maybe help build connection and love for each other rather than you know the separation that happens so much in our world today in so many different levels whether on a national level or an individual level but so the stories the idea of stories and podcasting helps connect because anybody can listen to this show for years on end now. It's going to be posted on your site Apple and Apple in different places. And so something that I say may help somebody, something that Jackie says might help somebody, somebody that something that Ben says might help somebody, you know, we're not going to help each, everybody going to help each other. But if we all share our stories again, I believe it's going to bring us closer together. And in today's world, that would be remarkable, um, Attribute to experience.
1: (laughs) Amen. Um, And that's essentially why we started the podcast, Michael, you know, and you brought a tear to my eye because that's exactly what Carrie and I envisioned um, is helping people who feel displaced, different, confused, um, slighted, uh, alone, that they have a place that they can come to and that there are people who feel or have been in situations that they are experiencing that they're not alone. So um, again, you give us, you, you are the reason why we do this podcast. And we're just so grateful to you that you show us yet again, another reason why this podcast is so incredibly helpful. Um, thank you so much, Michael. And I will include all of your great um, contact information, your Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn accounts, your link to your book. Um, and you've been so kind and gracious to share um, the link to your free book, or the the bo- uh, the link to your book for free. Um, it's www.michaelbharris.com forward slash book. I'll also have that in our show notes um, for our audience. Michael, thank you so much again for being on our podcast. We're so grateful to you um, and continued good health to you um, and to all of our listeners.
2: Thank you to both of you.
1: Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abraci Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.